That's Nat King Cold's trio and hit that jive, Jack. The time is 1.30. Let me just tell you, we are going to be joining Jayung um, in just a few moments, just after the next track. But before that, i just give you the weather forecast for this afternoon and tonight. Mainly fine, very dry in the afternoon. There's going to be cloudy periods tonight, moderate to fresh easterly winds. And the outlook, sunny intervals in the next couple of days with a few showers early next week. Temperature is 26 degrees Celsius with 40% humidity. And also, let me just tell you what's on after 2pm. Cruz McCallaghan is here for her weekly audio column. And today, the subject that she's going to be playing around with is Lego. And then after 2.30, I'd like you to sit back and relax with some rhythm and blues music as I have a look at the Motam label and some of the artists. And that's all coming up. And just after this next track, which is probably one of the most famous tracks from um, Nat King Cole, here's Unforgettable. And then after that, I'm going to be joining Jayung. That's what you are Unforgettable Though near or far Like a song of love that clings to me How the thought of you does things to me Never before has someone been more unforgettable in every way and forevermore. That's how you stay. That's why, darling, it's incredible That someone so unforgettable Thinks that I am unforgettable too Thinks that I am 
beautiful is that track i had to actually dim the lights in the studio specifically for that track because you know you just have to kind of listen to it with that nice sultry mood and if you haven't guessed it already um this is all about jj's music box because nat king cole is his chosen artist for today and jayang joins me now good afternoon to you jayang Good afternoon, uh, Sadia. And yes, you may have had to dim the lights, <laughs> but um, I'll look outside. It's one of the most beautiful maze I have ever experienced in, it is. in my it 35 is. years in Hong Kong. I know, it's absolutely amazing. There's just a beautiful breeze and it's just been, you'd expect it to be very sweltering at this point, but, but it yeah. is lovely. I think, you know, yeah, and we're paying just... Nat King Collins studio, so it couldn't be any more perfect <laughs> than that. <laughs> just makes you feel i want to i mean i I tell you pack pack everything up finish off the program run off into the hills (laughs) that's what you want to do today so a little bit of sound of music as well at the same time ah yes yes (laughs) well i'll have to think about that and i think you know it's certainly worth it but as long as i've got the music in my ears so you know that was a an amazing track that is just i mean when we talk about velvety voices this this gentleman Mm. was just he was the definition You know, he and really you know, was. The version that you played was the original Unfor- Unforgettable. Mm-hmm. He redid that 10 years ago. I think this one was 50 or 51. And then he redid that in 61 um, in stereo. Wow. Which was then used by his daughter in 91 mm. uh, to create that duet, which is very famous. Mm. Yeah. And that topped, uh, that won her a Grammy. And oh. that album also won her a Grammy, I believe. Was it was it a track that was written? Who was it written by? I mean, what was it was originally his, or where did it come from? Do uh, we know? I, yeah, yeah it'd just be interesting <laughs> no, to know. I mean, I was just yes, wondering whether just... that was something that was, you know, because it is a, a very significant track, and I think you know everyone must be familiar with that one because it's just been played so much. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, and um, uh, it was quite an idea for uh, his daughter Natalie Cole, mm. unfortunately, who was not with us she died in uh, uh 2015 i think mm-hmm. um uh, and uh, it was um, uh, you know it, it, it was quite an interesting choice for her to um uh, reprise that track uh with her voice and, and you know with a little bit of help from technology mm-hmm. uh, make it look as if she sang it with her dad mm, that's lovely Great. So now, Nat King Cole. Oh, it was written by Irving Gordon. All there right. Go. Okay. Okay. There you go. All right. <laughs> it's amazing what Google can do these days. I know. You've got the, everything on your, on your fingertips there. So now, with Nat King Cole, um, tell me, how did his singing career start? Well, uh, um, here is a, a little departure from the ones that we've met through these uh, programs. Nat King Cole was actually trained. Oh, oh, right. And it helped that he belonged to a family of musicians. Actually, his name at birth was Nathaniel Adams Coles. Mm -hmm. And it's quite an interesting story about how he uh, how he came to be known or actually he gave himself the name Nat King Cole, which we will look at a little later mm-hmm. as we progress through his career so yeah he was born to a family i mean his uh, his uh, siblings were um, into music and 
he decided that uh, you know music was something that he would get on get into early on at his his parents decided that so he learned singing and uh, the piano at an early age um performed when he was 4 um, oh, wow oh, gosh oh, <laughs> right goodness. and um uh, you know uh, recorded um his first single with his uh, with a with a sextet that he had formed with his brothers and other other musicians way back in 1936 mm. yeah and um uh, it was uh, called uh, sweet lorraine uh no sorry my mistake it was it was it was it was uh, it was a single that he released with decca in 1936 with his uh, brothers and when he was to, and then that he was only 17 then and oh. when he was 21 he recorded his very first single in 1940 um called sweet lorraine mhm 21 wow and this is the time when um he uh began to call himself nat king cole and that's quite an interesting story so he had formed a trio with two of his friends um a bassist and a guitarist and they did a jazz version of the um nursery rhyme you know old king cole was a merry oh, old yes. soul yes yes mhm and so they decided they had to name themselves so uh they called themselves the king cole trio all right okay and then he decided to call himself nat king cole mm-hmm. so that's how the name comes around so, so nathaniel adams coles became nat king cole that was his uh, uh stage name that's pretty good wasn't it that sounded mm. great and um when now i was wanting to ask you i know i always ask you this before yeah. uh, afterwards mm. but mm. when did you because i think there is a bit of a story behind this when did you first um get him into your life then oh well Mm, nostalgia. Um <laughs> so happened that um this was in Hong Kong and uh, it was my very first crush and um I I I found out one fine day that um she was engaged to marry somebody else. Uh-huh. And um I don't know whether it was as a recompense or whatever it was she got me a whole bunch of CDs, you know. Okay. Okay, to um, say that she wasn't going to get engaged to you, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Uh, well maybe she's she was trying to tell me that yeah. she still she still valued cared for me. Okay. And one of them was this Nat King Cole thing and you know we were young then we were like 19 20 years old or something like that and I said why are you giving me Nat King Cole? She said you know why I heard him in the shop and I liked him so much I think you should listen to him. Oh. So right fine. And it was the best off and uh, I heard this voice and I said wow I mean you know I hadn't hadn't heard anything like that before and of course you know one heard him on the radio but you never really made that association uh-huh. right and for a lot uh, for those of us who have been in Hong Kong long enough uh, like I have 35 years Nat King Cole is a name that you would associate with the great uncle Ray oh right Okay. Right, <laughs> right, because you 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 very you, you really listen to Nat King Cole songs late at night on his programs. Uh-huh. Yeah, so which is perfect mood for it too. So yeah, so now, absolutely. you know, every time you listen to Nat King Cole, you must thank your ex-girlfriend for <laughs> <laughs> this lady who, ex-crush. <laughs> ex-crush who kind of introduced him and you're like she obviously had a very good ear, you know, Jeong, that uh she knew what she was giving you knowing your interest in music. 
Sure, I yeah, I I think so. I yeah. mean, um, she did. That's she lovely. did have a. She does have a good ear. Okay. Um, oh right. Okay. But I think in those days it might have just been happenstance. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that was a great introduction. So obviously for you, that was what? What year was that? That was in the. Um, what kind of year was that? That was going back. Well, we were talking about uh, the late. Uh, 80s, 89, okay. 90, I think. Okay. And now going back to Nat King Cole and his career. So 21 years old was his first single. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sweet Lorraine. Mm-hmm. And then, um, um, uh, you know, it just took off. Um, uh, in fact, in 1946, he and his band, the King Cole Trio, did a series of broadcasts. Um, and that was the very first program um uh hosted by african american musicians mm. on radio mm, that was quite a major move that wasn't it right and then of course you know he had a very prolific recording and performing career um in fact most of his major hits were recorded in the late 40s and the early 50s you know things like um the christmas song mm. and um i love you for sentimental reasons uh unforgettable which we just heard mona lisa Nature Boy, um, and uh, so on. Just, just m- a lot of his uh, great songs. This was when it was recorded. I mean, he started recording with a full string section in those days. You know, with those lush sounds that you hear behind mm. his voice, mm. and he became quite a fixture in most American homes, which had a record player. Mm. Um, and uh, that that is where he actually cut across racial lines with his music. But as we heard, he was also a victim of racism. Uh, so rather, as we are going to hear, he mm, was also a victim right. of racism. Okay. So, and come, come 1956, he also hosted the first ever TV program to be hosted by an African-American. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, called, it was called, um, funnily enough, the Nat King Cole Show. And it started as a 15-minute program, and they extended it to a half an hour. And it had uh, uh, greats like uh, Tony Burnett, Harry Belafonte, and Ella Fitzgerald amongst its guests. My goodness, that's amazing at that time. And this is the and this is perhaps one of the first few times. uh, uh, Actually, not the first few times, but one of the times when he had his encounters with uh, racism. So. Uh, what actually happened was that uh, they couldn't find national sponsors for this show. Mm-hmm. So they had to t- NBC had to take it off air. Okay. Nobody was ready to do that. And so he uh, made uh, uh, a comment uh, saying that Madison Avenue, which is where all the advertising agencies are, Madison Avenue is afraid of the dark. That's what uh, mm-hmm. Nat King Cole is supposed to mm-hmm. have said. Mm-hmm. And you know? was there a response to that? No, I mean, I don't think so, but it was because, it, you see, what happened was that I think he got it from both sides. For instance, that very year, in 1956, um, he was assaulted while performing live in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And it was only because the police intervened that it did not get uglier, any uglier than he oh. got. I mean, he was thrown off his piano stool and, oh, you know, he had a awful. minor back injury. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty terrible. I mean, I mean, he he said later that, hey, you know, I'm not involved in any activism. I've not done anything, and I don't understand why I'm being targeted. Mm. And um, 
uh, that was the I mean he was being targeted by the whites and he was also targeted by the African-American community they said that well he's a white man's performer oh. so they started boycotting his shows mm. as well they felt that so he got it both ways that's so hard my goodness and obviously he's a recognized face because he has been on TV and people knew him because people knew yes. what he looked like and stuff that's the difference yes. I suppose that um, other artists maybe yeah their faces were recognized they listen people listen to their music but they weren't so prominent on the TV as such that's 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 correct mm. I mean and um, in fact before this there was an incident where he bought um, a home in a predominantly white suburb in LA mm. and people around him just um, I mean he had got the Klo Klux Klan oh, coming gosh. around and putting a burning cross and well, there's the others who said that we don't want undesirable people here and he said he's reportedly he replied saying that well if somebody undesirable comes around to my place I shall <laughs> I'll see. get them out <laughs> I'll get them out oh that's you know. so sad. Such a struggle. I mean, such talent. But, you know, if you get these challenges, but even given those challenges and, and you know, the things that he was getting from the public, he obviously yeah. had an amazing career. No, absolutely. He did. He did. But it's just, it's, it's, um, I mean, I mentioned these things because, you know, he, him, uh, singers like Ella Fitzgerald, yes. um, Louis Armstrong, who we will profile in one of our pro forthcoming programs, because it's, um, um, and all of these uh, African-American artists uh, faced a lot of difficulties when it mm. came to racism. But, yeah. you know, it's because of their sheer talent that they r could ride through all of that. Mm. No, absolutely. I can imagine. Uh, and, and good for them, seriously. But, you know, now as you look back on that uh, and you tell me these stories, it, you know, for anyone's ears today, that would be incredibly, like, it's it's just crazy, isn't it? You just can't. Well, I mean, that craziness um, survives till date. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you just have That's to right. It just hasn't gone completely. And yesterday. Yeah. Um, it's there in the air. I mean, and, uh, uh, but it, these are good reminders. Yes. All yes. of us. Okay. So now, um, how did things move on for him? Were there, apart from the, you know, these major challenges that he had, um, he mm. was still pretty active all the way through, wasn't he? Yes, he was. But if, and and mind you, a very uh, relatively short life, huh? 40, all of forty six years. Oh gosh! Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yes. That was just very. Born short. in nineteen nineteen and passed away in nineteen sixty five. Oh, was he was he ill? There was 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 it, what happened? Do we know? We will we will come to that. Okay. All right. I'm jumping the gun here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <That's> <laughs> So it's 1958, and he um, uh, has his for, uh, a concert tour of uh, Cuba, mm -hmm. and he records his first Spanish album there. Mm. And we're going to listen to a track from that album towards yes. the end of it. Which the is program. a lovely track, an absolutely beautiful mm. track, yes. And that album that he recorded then became quite a hit, in both in North America as well as in Lat Latin America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, though I always thought that he could not quite manage that Spanish accent. <laughs> oh, There's right. always that touch of, but uh, I would I would say the I think the reason that they liked him was also there was that this touch of uh, uh, the not so Spanish. Uh, okay, I wouldn't call it an American. Somewhere between a soft Spanish accent and a real one. Okay. And, uh, okay. So there, I mean, you know, just just uh, just a little tangent to that, since we were talking about racism he um 
apparently wanted to stay at one of Cuba's best hotels um, and uh, at the Hotel Nacional, and he was denied entry there because apparently there was a color bar there as well. Mm, that was quite common at that time, wasn't it? That's yeah, problem. yeah, absolutely. Mm. And uh, but even then, he completed all his uh, whatever he had been contracted for. And um, he came, uh, and he, I think he went to Cuba twice during his career, and he cut two albums. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, this was before the Cuban Revolution, obviously. Okay. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, and um, uh, by this time, you know, what had happened was that, uh, you know, the tastes of younger listeners had changed, begun to change. So it was more rock and roll, and, you know. So his music... Uh, was not catching on with the more younger members of the audience. Mm -hmm. um, and um, you could see that, um, you know, once your audience numbers begins begin to dwindle, it kind of um, it doesn't give you that much of an impetus to create anything much more than that. But even though, even then, he continued to record and perform into the early 60s, um, and his last major hit single was uh, those uh, Lazy, Hazy, Crazy Days mm, of Summer, which, which you played, played earlier. Yeah, yeah, that's a really nice poppy number. It's very nice. Yeah. And um, just in 64, he was diagnosed with lung cancer. I see. And that was partly because, well, that was basically because of excessive smoking. Yeah, I was just going to say that... Mm. You know, you'd be surprised at the number of singers I have heard who chain smokers. Yeah. It's probably to do with their um, the intensity and the stress that they are under sometimes, that it's a kind of release perhaps. Because, I mean, at that time, probably more people smoked and it was, you know, even when you see images in, in films um, with, you mm. know, jazz pianists and stuff sitting, they're just surrounded by a haze of of smoke, sure. you know, and that must be just people smoking everywhere. So a lot of passive smoking going on too at the time, I should think. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And there was one Indian singer that I'm not going to name who actually told me when I kind of said, you know, does that smoking not hinder? He says, well, the baritone voice you're listening to is a result of all of that oh, smoking. Oh, I, that's an interesting. I, <laughs> I doubt it. I don't though. think. Yeah. I, exactly. Yeah. I didn't. I, I, yeah. I doubted that either. But, you know, one was far too respectful um, to, to challenge. Argue, yeah. You know, yeah. as if you want to live in your world, <laughs> make of make believe. That's, <laughs> that's up to you, really. Unfortunately, we lost that person. Yeah. So sad. Such a such a young age as well. Um, yeah. yeah. But so, um, uh, he was diagnosed with lung cancer and um, actually just days before he went into hospital for treatment, he recorded his last album. Oh, gosh. Right. So he was still able to sing at that point. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. And, um, but um, they had to remove a lung and... Uh, the word around the street was, I mean, Billboard put it out that, oh, he, you know, he'll, it was successful surgery and he'll recover and, you know, so on and so forth. But apparently they knew that he's not going to last. Mm. Mm. And so on Feb the 14th, um, it was Valentine's Day in 1965, oh. he went out for a drive with his second wife, uh -huh. Maria Hawkins, who was, herself was a singer. Uh -huh. By the way, they had five children. Okay. 
and only two of which survive. Oh, it's so sad. My goodness, so tragic. Mm. Yep, yep. I mean, Natalie, they lost to congestive uh, heart failure. She died very one, young too. Mm. Yeah. Uh, one, one son they lost to AIDS. Um, and there was an adopted child also who they lost to some disease. And then there were twins who survived mm. today. Mm. So, yeah, he you know, got out of the hospital for a while uh, for a drive with his then wife, Maria Hawkins. And on the 15th of February, uh, the world lost him forever, 1965. Mm, that's so sad. Mm. Yeah. But what a legacy he left behind. Absolutely. Music. In fact, one of his biggest contributions to music is the jazz trio. Mm -hmm. um, the current uh, form of the jazz trio, which includes a bassist, uh, a pianist, uh, a singer on the piano and a guitarist, um, is um is his creation that's amazing that's really much more than just a legacy he's left back he's left for us uh you know this whole kind of format hasn't he sure absolutely mm. and that mm. is that is his biggest contribution to uh to music mm. Great. and he won his first grammy for uh, uh midnight flyer um in uh, 1959 and um, in 1990, he was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award posthumously by uh, a, a Lifetime Achievement Grammy. Mm -hmm. Posthumously. Yeah. And obviously, we are still hearing his music. We have about a minute left, actually, before we were going to play the track. We are still hearing his music, um, sure. especially at Christmas time. I mean, some of his Christmas ones were absolutely oh, beautiful the Christmas tracks. Song, yeah. Absolutely. Now, just chestnuts a, roasting on an open fire. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, just a quick um, intro again to the track we're going to play. Um, do you yeah. want to just tell us? Uh, you've got about. 10 seconds <laughs> okay well it's um, spanish and perhaps 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 you might just enjoy it oh i do love it i love it very much actually i was listening to it earlier on um Jayang, thank you very much for coming in today for jj's music box you will be back next week at the same time and i'm going to cross over now to uh, nat king cole and then we're going to go straight to the news at two so here's kiss thank you sadia you're welcome